Welcome to another episode of the Gaming Moguls Podcast, the only podcast that bothers to put together a top 20 list without any new games on it. I'm your co-host for the evening, Mr. Mark Teske, along with my co-host, Jacob Klopfenstein. Jake, how are you tonight? Doing spectacular, man. Happy to be here. Happy to be doing a top 20. However, did lie. There is one, exactly one new game on my top 20. <sighs> you have to go against the trend, don't you? So let the record show. Let the record show. Let the record show. <laughs> Jake, how are we supposed to be the podcast that's the old hotness? If you go and put a new game on the list. I think we're the only podcast that refuses to uh, learn new games. I think that's maybe our new moniker. Well, maybe you. Maybe me. That's fair. <laughs> maybe fair. How about the only podcast that doesn't care about reviewing new games? That's absolutely the truth. Absolutely <laughs> That's definitely the truth. true. The only podcast that has never cared about reviewing games. That uh, pretty much. The gaming moguls. There well, it is. Yep. We'll talk about games, but uh, only games nobody really cares about trying to make any money off of because we bought a used copy 10 years ago. Correct. And the, the used copies go for nothing, you know, but... Hey, whatever. We're saving money. We're being economical, but we don't come with those pretty little figurines that all the people come with. I know we don't usually do this, but it is like uncomfortably cold here in Minnesota. How have you been staying warm, man? You've been doing all right. You've had to uh, burn some board games to stay warm or no? As it turns out, uh, the games I would likely burn contain a lot of plastic and it's bad for the environment to burn Mm -hmm. that plastic. You know, a lot of bad fumes coming off those torched minis. That makes sense. Good for you for staying warm. I finally, for we always celebrate Christmas like a week early because I have such a big family and my immediate family does a week early. And I've been like holding out because I told my mom what I wanted for Christmas, which is a new duvet. And I've been just so cold because I've been only having a quilt until now. And I've just been so cold and I'm finally warm and plush and flush with a duvet and happy. So <laughs> life has been significantly better for me as of late. For those not here in the Great White North, we're uh, we're settling in for a bomb cyclone that's going to hit us tomorrow night. We're supposed to have game night. They're also calling for nearly a foot of snow tomorrow. So mm-hmm. will that happen? Yeah, a foot of snow and like negative 40 with wind chill. Like, yeah, <laughs> real winter. And you may be asking, negative 40 is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? That's where they meet. That's the, <laughs> the convergence point. That's yes, how cold is it the is. Short they mean answer. the same. Yeah, exactly. So. But anyway, I think we'll we'll be able to figure out good ways to stay warm and play games and drink cider and all that fun stuff. Yeah, gaming's happening tomorrow night, whether it's with my friends or with my family. Some form of gaming's happening as we uh, tough out the blizzard in here in Minnesota. I would put odds on it being with your family, but we'll see. <sighs> yep. We'll see. <laughs> it's supposed to be whiteout conditions. That's only my worry. But anyway, now we're just being old curmudgeon Midwesterners talking about the weather for too long. Why don't we start about my top 20, shall we? Yeah. Jake, I feel like we haven't done that many episodes since the last time we did a top 20. Oh, wait, we haven't done that many episodes since the last <laughs> time we did a top 20. So if y'all are sitting there listening to this sequentially and just went, geez, I feel like they just talked about that. Oh, well, that's, that's correct. In sequential episode terms, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. In terms of time, it has been a year. And, you know, minds change and tastes change and mm-hmm. so on and so forth over the course of the year. And this is kind of my favorite thing of the year to really sit back and talk about the games that are making us want to talk about games in the first place. It's interesting. So as obvious to, to listeners, I haven't been gaming as much as normal, right? Took the summer off, just wanted to take a step back and assess kind of where I'm at with stuff. And so that's offered a handful of interesting things. I'm going to be really mindful about telling the games I have and haven't played and whether or not they've actually been new to me this year, which is a very, very slim number of them. But it's actually kind of interesting because for me, a lot of the games are sitting at an even playing field for the first time in a really long time, right? 
So if I haven't played two games in one in three years and one in four years, that's kind of a pretty neutral playing field, which is pretty interesting and is something that has generally not been the case for my top 20. So it's it's almost more academic than normal. Is that maybe the right term? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I know definitely looking at my list, I have been playing lots of games this year, but there haven't been a lot of new games that have caught my eye. So mm. again, likewise too, I, I think mine is going to have the least shine on it, the least new game shiny of any list that I've ever done. So yeah, you'll have to wait till next episode here what my tastes are. So this yes. isn't about me, Jake. Let's talk about you. We, we save the better for last. We always know that. <laughs> All right. Could you give our esteemed listeners just a quick rundown of what your how how you came about your list, what your selection criteria was, what's in, what's out, what type of list will they be hearing from us this evening? So I did not do any categories of games as a filler in for other games. So for example, when we first did this, we put 18xx as a category, and I just did 1830 as a filler. Every 18xx is resting on its own laurels now, so that is not a combination. But the only other thing I removed from that is really light fillers with an asterisk of I kept a handful in just because I liked them. Sure. I, I just kind of knew, for example, Deep Sea Adventure. like that game. It's not going to be a top 20 game. Why even rank it? Yep. And so I did that, but I did keep games like Arboretum, Metro X, Modern Art, Nerds, um, Dutch Blitz for those at home teach you. I kept those games in there. So it wasn't that mm-hmm. I got rid of all of the fillers. I had a handful of Banner Lords carry the small box game banner into battle instead of ranking all of them just because I didn't want to rank 37 million different games. But yeah. Well, and a lot of those games tend to be ones too that can be played as sessions, you know, yeah. that you play multiple, multiple rounds of and play them together. Right. hundred percent. Or I just love them enough where I am going to just have them in the list for whatever reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Or when there are even small box of games, and even though you don't play them over and over again, it still felt like a full box experience. So I guess, how should we do this? Should I start with my quick 25 to 21 and just kind of rapid fire? Let's save those till the end. Let's, let's, talk, let's briefly talk about the ones that didn't quite make the list. Ooh. So when they hear it, they'll just go, hey, I wonder what he thinks about XYZ. What might have been talked about? So let's just rip into your number 20 pick right off the bat. Let's do it. Jake, what was number 20? Number 20 for me this year was Sebastian Brees's, Brees's, Richard Brees, pardon me, and Sebastian Bleasdale, um's classic Keyflower. It was ranked 20 last year and it's 20 this year. Absolutely no change in the numerical system between me this year and last year, but we really like this game. And it's funny because we haven't played this game at all this year. I don't even think I've seen it. And it stayed right at number 20, which is where it was last year. And then the year before that was 21. So this game is clearly your 20th favorite game of all. No question. So (laughs) for those of you who've been under a rock and haven't played it, Keith Flower is probably one of the most quintessential. This is a Euro that you understand, but plays differently than the rest of the Euros you play. You're bidding on these little tiles that you're then adding into a little dominion that you're building to try to get the most victory points and it's played over four phases where the different tiles that you're bidding on and using worker actions with change and there's four different races uh, probably race is the wrong term uh flavors of meeples that you get to use to power these factions denominations actions, yeah, yeah. Mm. with the theme it kind of makes sense that they might be <laughs> different <laughs> tribes of people but but to pretend they're Italian and Spaniards or something. Yeah, that's great. That 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 we we enjoy that. But um, <laughs> it's 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 really good. It's really good. If you've never played this game, it is super fun. It's light. It plays a lot of different player counts really well. It plays pretty quickly. 
so you can bang it out in relatively quick amount of time and it is just a splendid little afternoon game Keyflower. A delightful game, one that's definitely in my collection as well. The only problem is it never comes out, and I don't think I've ever played it with my family. That's weird. Because Nick is not in my immediate family, Jake. Oh, I know. Nick should offer like a Fiverr service where he like teaches it and sets it up and all of this stuff for that because I don't think I've even read the rules to this game. I think no, it's just I haven't Nick. either. I don't actually know how to play it or set it up. Which I probably should read it. Because there could be a decent chance that we are uh, just playing it Nick version and not necessarily the true, truthful way. But that's a good point. Do we know that those rules are right? I never no. thought of that before. I mean, that was that way for Great Western Trail for a long time with me as well. I had never read the rules. Then I read it. I'm like, oh, my God, Kirk, what are we doing, dude? I mean, just think if you had taught me Arboretum. Yeah, 100%. No, I was playing Arboretum. <laughs> I played Arboretum wrong once. I was actually playing it more correct than Josh, though. <laughs> and sold your game. Yes, correct. But then I was playing it more correct than Josh. Josh was wild. <laughs> he was he was doing things that you wouldn't even believe. What he was doing was <laughs> sinful and an affront to God. So anywho, not speaking about Josh's failures at uh, Arboretum, that is Keyflower by Sebastian Bleasdale and Richard Brees. Should have a little bit more different names. I'm at number 20. <laughs> Excellent choice. Number 19 is probably one of the skewed games on the list, but I was a little too lazy to fix it. But this is Yentis, 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 Gentis, 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 Gentis. With, a, with a J. Whereas, uh, okay, it's a trading in the Mediterranean game. Therefore, you can assume that's a Latin name. What about Gentis? And, and in Latin, a G makes a J sound. Gentis. Gentis. Well, what do what do V's and W's make in Latin? Mm, there's currently an argument. There's currently argument about that, which is why I brought it up. So. I don't remember my daughter. My daughter will definitely have an opinion on this one since she's taking Latin, but I'm sure she will. It's, it's, it's high, but this is Gentis, Hentis, Gentis, 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 Deluxe Fight Edition, um, which is, is kind of a weird little game that it got pushed up this high because it's not really loved. I think I'm probably the only person that like is its big standard bear on the internet. We all have one of those that, that like everybody else just kind of goes, eh, and we're like, it's the greatest game it's ever. It's the greatest. So this is a weird game. So it's ranked number 19 for me this year. Last year it was 12 lower. So it was at spot 31. So it's not like it's a huge jump, but it's probably higher than it should be. This game has been included in my bring to game nights and I haven't played it in quite some time. I don't think I've played it this year. I don't think I've played it the previous year either. So we're really not a frame of mind thing, but it's one I'm kind of aspirational about. And I think it's mm-hmm. pretty good at what it does. So it's originally by designed by Stefan Reisthaus and published by Spielworks. And it's 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 a neat little game where you're putting regular Euro actions, but there's a, a certain flavor to it that adds a little je ne sais quoi to it. So you're taking these different worker actions that are functionally working like worker placement. But with that, then you also get these timer functions that's kind of a tax slash fee thing on it. And there's this push-pull on risking it now versus delayed gratification versus striking when the iron's hot. And I just think it works really well in what it does of that midway euro that's kind of interesting, feels like a full fat game that plays pretty quick. And I have like 10 plays of it, so it's not like a relatively new game to me, but I have yet to play the expansion. And so I'm a little, I have a twinkle in my eye about this game. And so I'm pretty sure that's why it jumped 12 spots up. Still think it's a pretty great game by Mr. Stefan Rieshaus. But it, I, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be 19. But that's fine. What's the number one way to get me to play one of your favorite games? Have you buy it? Oh, bingo. <laughs> Did you buy it? 
I did not buy it, but it's on my mm. Christmas list this year. It's pretty good, and it looks pretty. It it checks all the boxes, but it's just uh, I bring it up to people that I really like it online. And they're like, "Why? It's fine. Why do you like it? I don't know." Yeah, I thought I it was pretty really, darn fun the one time I played it. I did too. <laughs> I, well, it's don't worry. I've been bringing it. I've been aspirationally trying to play it for the last forever. But uh, maybe we can actually get get it played sometimes. Uh, so. You have no idea how many games I have in that category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is my number 19 pick. It's it's very olive colored. I would say it's more like gray. It's like olive brown. I, it's like kind of gray and green. You're not wrong. It's definitely earth tones. It kind of looks like an old like sieve game on like a tube monitor. You know, those old ones that kind of look all <laughs> flat and isometric. <laughs> Like kind of has that color palette to it. Castlevania E, you know, it doesn't look like that at all. If this was clothing, you'd buy it at Eddie Bauer. Oh, for sure. For sure. Just (laughs) wouldn't have a puffer jacket associated like early nineties fleece Eddie Bauer. (laughs) Yep. Yes, exactly. hundred percent. But it's, it's a good little game. I think it's really good for what it is. Um, And I think it comes together in something that's a little bit better than just the sum of its parts. If that makes sense. Was this originally a uh, published by TMG, thus the Deluxified. I mean, it was originally a Spielworks games, but then they Deluxified it, and that's the version that I have. Correct. Okay, it is, but it is a TMG game, right? Correct. I think it's one of their okay. last successful ones, to be honest. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Before they, uh, they, they, they ran off into the sunset to uh, Deluxify some other industry. Who knows? Uh, pouring some meeples out for my TMG homies, missing those delightful Deluxified pretty versions. They were so pretty. They were. If only they had just slowed down <laughs> <laughs> and concentrated on only deluxifying games that should be deluxified. Mm, yeah, that was that kind of the been issue a there. Too. That might have been an issue there for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's my number nineteen game, Gentis Deluxified Edition. Um, number eighteen is an eighteen XX game, the first of many on this list. I have not played this game in five ever, even longer than four ever. But it's the big granddaddy of, I believe, all of them. This the one that keeps Mark awake at night. It hides under his bed. It hides in his closet. It is eighteen seventeen. Are you are you quivering? Are you shaking? Just hearing me say it. I I am. So I actually the eighteen seventeen is another. I have another one. I'm afraid of also that sits on the same shelf as eighteen seventeen. Is now. it is it a game that I like that you are afraid of? I don't know if you like this one or not. I'll see. I, um, it's one that I'm, I'm technically in a game of, and I've actually been delaying the start of it for three weeks because I haven't gotten around to reading the rules for. What is it? 1862. Oh, that one's not that scary. I know. It's just, it's weird. I know it's weird and different. And the, and it just, I, I know I can't just show up and, I know I can't just show up and fake it. Yeah. I mean, you can try, but you'll just <laughs> well, lose. Yeah. You know who I'm playing with. No, oh, I can't. FEK will not let me show up and fake it. What's funny is 1862 is significantly weirder than 1817 is, but 1817 is harder. 1862 is East Anglica, right? The new GMT one that was published relatively recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's similar to 1860. It's got like freight trains and stuff like that, right? It's not that weird. They just run, the trains run weird. And like, you have to remember that you can like sell anything down. So you can't be beholden onto holding onto games, but in 1817, there is shorts and a lot of capital is raised in a really interesting way. So you get in the situation where you kind of just like go down like rabbit holes of thought that then circle back to where you originally were. So you'll say like, oh, I need more trains, but because I need more trains, I should issue something or whatever. I should grow bigger, but then I can't do this, but then I can't do that, but then I can't do this, but then I can't do that. And then you go back to the thing of, but I need new trains. 
and you're just thinking all these lines and everything that gets crazy. And it's, it's really fun. I'd like to have you play sometime. I don't understand when we would, because if we're doing a big 18xx game, why would we not just do 1822 in a game that we all kind of know? But from a academic standpoint, I think you should try 1817. I have actually played 1817 light multiple times this year. So maybe we, that, that's a prayer. Oh, online? No, 1817 light. It's also known as bear raid. Oh, puh. <laughs> it's a dumb, dumb joke. You actually got my, I was like, you're playing 1817 online. What? I was confused on, on, on how I hadn't heard about this, but yeah, no, uh, it, it, they both have tokens, this and bear raid. They're the exact same. It's the same thing. And they both allow you to short companies. It's the exact same. It's literally the same game. Same so, game. Yeah, my number 18 pick this year is 1817, designed by Craig Bartell and Tim Flowers. We'll get you to play it sometime. It is down six spots from last year, where it was number 12. A little bit of an aside, but if we're having an 18xx day, 1822 actually would not be my number one draft choice of the day. What would it be? Well, it's a new one that I've gotten since the last time. Oh, 80? 80. Yeah, baby. Mm. Mm. I mean, I'd play it too, but I'd be kind of annoyed. I'd have to reread the rules because it is that is a diversion. That is a weird game. one. Yeah, that, that's well, a weird the, one. And see, this is why 1822 always comes to the front. We all kind of know how to play 1822. Yep. 1880 takes a rules teach or a rules read. And yep. if it was up to me, I'd prefer just do a rules read. But not saying I wouldn't like to play 1880. It's a sick game, and I can't wait to see what your publishing looks like of it. It's pretty. It's pretty. You know, errors aside, god dang it, can't have nothing nice. <laughs> Finally get a copy of a game I've been waiting for for a decade. Well, or a part of a decade, maybe half a decade. Yeah, oh, three years. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say, I'd say I'd say five years. Finally get it, and uh, it's beautiful and fraught with errors, but you know none of them are game breaking. So whatever, just happy to yeah. have it. And I think the Rails on Boards folk are making a kit to fix it all. So or maybe they already made it. So delightful. They're those those checks. They're the best. I love them. So that was eighteen seventeen. My eighteen pick. Now on to my seventeen pick. Wah, wah. That's it's funny. How what are the odds of that? 1817 <laughs> being 18? That's right hilarious. Be- and and what are the odds of 18 being right before 17? There's like I don't know. I guess I don't know. But this is kind of fun. That's fun. <laughs> What's the coincidence of that? That's that's fun. There's a there's a fun mathematical number for 1817 to be at and it's number 18 on my list. So, anyway, you can use your or you can just leave this whole thing and they can see how bad our transitions are. Moving on from 1817. <laughs> oh, it's staying. Oh, please do. Yokohama is uh, my number 17 pick by Hisashi Hayashi. A game about tires. Well, yeah. All you are is you're actually in Yokohama and you're inventing new tires for racing. Cool. Number 17. <laughs> Down a spot from next year. Moving on to the That's next it. one. Actually, Mark, do you mind explaining just a quick for uh, a two-minute description on what Yokohama's like? Yokohama's actually one of the earliest games I remember playing with you, weirdly enough, when we first met up. Yokohama's a... Uh, it's an interesting take on action selection where you actually have to travel around the board to get your action that you're going to take. And you can power up those actions depending on how much you visited there and left tokens behind. Uh, they call them workers or something like that. And depending on how many things in your color you've got on that depends on how strong you get them. And it is super pointsality in that you're trying to fulfill contracts and you're trying to build up a tech, some technology and you're trying to make donations of stuff to get victory points. And, you know, there's about nine different ways to do this one, but no games play out exactly the same. We've played it a whole mess of times. And I would say this is one of the games that uh, you and I probably play at a pretty high level equally. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. If we were to play this game, right, it would be actually kind of sleeves rolled up, old fashioned boxer pugilism. Which is funny because it's a little too fast in that play because you kind of just end up rushing either the church or the export board. And it feels a little unsatisfying. I like kind of like playing with newbies and playing at a lower skill level and just kind of twiddling around my thumbs in Yokohama for a little bit longer than like really racing to finish it. Yeah, well, my 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 local challenge is that I don't ever get to win anymore because now my wife is good at it. Mm. Heather figured it out. She got the numbers. She crunched them. Yeah, Heather's a stone cold killer at this game. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, I will make sure to not play through either because I enjoy my win rate in this game being relatively high. So. Yeah, so talking about Deluxified Edition, right? This is kind of the OG Deluxified TMG game, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. they really did a beautiful job on it with the you know the gold embossed box and all the nice pieces and all the so on and so forth. Both of us have made copies that are lovely to play with and have lovely pieces across the board. So it's it's one that still comes out pretty frequently. Yeah, I mean, I've even done crazier. I Deluxified my copy of Yokohama, and then I just bought a copy of Deluxified Yokohama. Did you know that? I did know that. Yep. And then I piecemealed out the parts that I wanted from both my Deluxified and the real Deluxified and then made a new Frankenstein one and then gave the rest to Josh. <laughs> super Deluxified. Super. He got the, un, he got the slightly Deluxified. I got the super Deluxified. So that's Hishashi Hayashi's Yokohama published by TMG Games, RIP, at my number 17 spot this year, down one spot from last year. Mark, I would like a drum roll. In number 16, we have the first new game of two on this list. Number 16 for me this year, up from not on the list last year, is Res Arcana by Thomas Lehman. Res Arcana is a game where you're building a quick little tableau, kind of plays similar to like Magic the Gathering-ish in gameplay, not necessarily in like deck building, but you're tapping cards, building cards, putting stuff out to try to combo stuff. But the thing Mm -hmm. about this game is you're kind of like an orc war boss where you're building vehicles and they work just because you believe they will. And it has nothing to do with them (laughs) actually going with that one, but having any, yeah, I've I've been really into Warhammer 40 K lore again and, uh, um, orc technology in 40 K literally works just because they think it works. It doesn't actually work. (laughs) Like they just like, they think that something that looks like a gun will shoot. And so it just becomes a shooter. Hilarious. And fundamentally, that's goblins and Magic the Gathering, right? I mean, there's Same exact the, goblin, idea. the goblin Same exact ski patrol. Idea. There's, you know, the mm-hmm. goblin bomb, which is a goblin running in with a big barrel of gunpowder mm-hmm. on his back. And <laughs> Yeah. No, but like, like if humans will like capture orc technology and try to make it work, it just, it's a hunk of metal. It's just, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. But anyway, so that's, that's Res Arcana. You're shoving these different cards together to do everything, to try to eke out as many little points as you can get. And you hope that you're rusted out, clapped out, freaking LS swap from a, uh, like 1992 Buick Regal, which probably is with a school bus engine in it. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. Is Buick. I don't even think Buick's no Buick's are Alice. LS engines probably came in later or something and people are going to make fun of me, but anyway, you're trying to, you're trying to slap it together. And if you can get across the finish line before everybody else, you feel great. And this game plays out once you know to play in 15 minutes, maybe 20. So whenever you pull it out, you play three games of it and you waste the most lovely 45 minutes of your life. Love Res Arcana. Thank you, Cletus Klopfenstein. Oh, that's what it is, pretty much. You just go to your you go to your grandpappy's yard and you just try to shove some stuff together and have a good afternoon. So that is my number 16 pick, my first new game on this list, and probably the game I co-signed the most of like any game on this list. 
if you're relatively into gaming and like fillers that are a little thinky, Res Arcana is your jam. It's sick. Love it. So replayable. This is one of those that, I don't know, we harass each other a pretty fair amount. Mm-hmm. We're homies and, you know, homies do that. And Jake decided he was going to harangue me mm-hmm. into, uh, I don't know if you're trying to harangue me into hating Res Arcana or you're playing reverse psychology on me to love res. See, that's the beauty of it. You have no idea. I was, I was in that. I don't. I was in that beautiful, like sub meta where it's like, I, I, I knew that you thought I was doing reverse psychology on you, but like, was I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like wh- who's joking? Who knows? You know? So long and short of it, Jake was insisted on playing nothing but res arcana. And I was refusing to play it to mess with him back. And I was actually curious and, being a good friend, I said, okay, fine, we'll do this one. And I was all prepared and loaded up to hate it and make snarky comments about it. And uh, in about 10 minutes good. of buying the game, I was uh, <laughs> putting, it in order, putting it in order for it within about five minutes of playing the game. I was like, God dang it, I really want to hate this game, it's, but I don't. It's pretty it's fun. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> no, it's really good. It's done a lot of what his other games will do. We might talk about them later. And puts them in a very consistent package. That works out great. The only weird thing is the expansions do add a lot, but they make the game a bit janky on setup. Like a handful of the cards refer to things in a different way and whatever. I just, I know there's no economic reason to do it until it's like way later, but I wish I could just be like, I will give you an extra $40 for this game because I played enough. Just make everything the correct version, like a premature big box, you know, Mm -hmm. that's my number 16 pick. Res Arcana by Thomas Lehman. Peace be upon him. My favorite board game designer. Number 18 or number 15 is another <laughs> 18xx game. 1882 Asinaboya. Down two spots from last year where it was number 13. This is one of those weird 18xx games with a fantasy setting, right? Yeah, because Asinaboya is not a real place. <laughs> I think we did the same exact joke last we year, too. We did the exact same joke. I, I'm sorry. Keep, Canada, no, no, right on. Keep we love up. you, Canada. Yeah, so this hey. is done by Mark Voyer, who I believe <laughs> is Canadian, and it's that region northwest of us. So it's like the Dakotas part two, like west of Winnipeg and, and, and kind of in the plains, I believe. They have more of like a plains identity than a Midwestern identity in Canada, and it's something I think we should use here. But yeah, it's, it's a great game. It's 18xx, really fast, really interesting rules. You go bankrupt in it quite a bit. Um, it's actually a great teaching game, assuming you can kind of yada yada through the privates because things are over relatively quickly, even though my bankruptcy rate in Chessie is increasing more and more. So this point is not <laughs> really made as much, but 1882 is like my favorite people know how to play 18xx. Let's play a fast 1830 style game. Can't beat it. Mark Foyer was a genius when he made this game. Yep. Love it. Love the, uh, the shortness of it. I guess my one beef that I've kind of started developing with it is that See, once you get stuck in the pit of mediocrity, you'll reach a point where you're like, okay, I have a permanent, but I have crappy routes. I mean, that's Mm. the thing that happens in this game a lot, right? I mean, I've got a five and I best I can run it for is like a three train. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go bankrupt, but I'm going to finish third. And like all the companies are sold out. Everything's tokened out. There's no amount of track laying or buying companies or anything that's going to change my situation right now. I'm in third and I'm going to finish in third and nothing's going to change that. It early determines for sure. Yeah. But I do think that's a handful of things at play. For one, we're really mean with tokens. We like mm-hmm. never use neutrals in this game, even though it's like pretty yeah. tight margins and like they save a decent amount of money towards late game. Um, and we're just like, no, I'd rather play the tokens just to be mean. Um, and then I think this game 
it's not designed to end in bankruptcy, but I feel like it is correct when it ends in bankruptcy. Yeah, it often does. And I think there has to be the risk of the late game. So the late routes are a thing you have to be building towards. It doesn't feel right when we get these big old east-west freaking plus 200 Hudson Bay runs, you know? Yeah, the, the number of times I ever see that it never happens. But you always have to play towards it. That's always the focus, but it's not necessarily like, you know, what you're actually doing. So, yep, yep. Agreed on everything you said about this fantasy setting 18xx game. 1882, Asinaboya. Mine number 15, down from two spots last year. Mark Boyer did a great job with this game. Excellent pick. My number 14 is my biggest faller. Mm. What's your theory on why this game fell so much? Lack of exposure. Yeah, I think this is probably the only one that's like, oh, you just haven't played it. The other thing is I think there's another game on this list that's relatively new to me that may have came in and been like my medium to plus weight Euro game. Sure. Kick this one down. So my number 14 is Gaia Project, which was my number two game last year. So a big old fall of minus 12 spots. And this is on by Jen Strogenmuller and Helga Ostertag. What are you doing in Mr. Gaia Project there, Mr. Mark Teske? Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain how you play Terra Mystica, and then you can translate <laughs> that to Gaia Project. Because I've only played Gaia Project one time like four years ago. This is perfect. I'll just keep on shouting space whenever you say stuff. <laughs> and it's pretty much the same definition. Okay. okay, let's workshop this one. So you have different tribes. Races? I don't know if we're allowed to say that. Alien. Seafaring civilizations. Ocean-faring. Uh, space-faring civilizations. Okay. There you go. First, first um, asterisk. That are trying to terraform. Yeah. Gaia form. No, it's, we can say terraform. That's fine. Okay. They're trying to ter- terraform zones so that they can build up a bunch of buildings with special powers. Yeah. And by dominating their area and yeah. accumulating magic. No. They can do special powers. Gaia. I think it's Gaia. <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't know what the resource is called. It's like right. electron valences. But yeah, it's, it's the same thing as that. It's just pick, pick whatever you want. It's a great era where you're putting out these different things. You have asynchronous slightly powers of these different races and you're trying to race to become the best Euroe person. But really this and Terraforming Mars are very, very similar. Terra Mystica has nothing to do with Terraforming uh, Mars other uh, than space. Other than space. Terra Mystica. Thank you. Pick and choose. They're very similar. Pick whatever you want when you want. I've played Guy Project more. Therefore I like Guy Project more and I'm not really interested in playing Terra Mystica because why would I? I just would rather play the game I know. I think one thing that was keeping me from playing Gaia Project was that it intimidated me a little bit because I had a lot of friends that played it a lot as well as played Terra Mystica a lot. However, in the past year, I have played a fairly large number of games of Terra Mystica. So I've accumulated a little competency around that area finally. Heck yeah. I'm much more likely to want to play Gaia Project than I have in years because I've been really having a good time playing Terra Mystica. Dude, let's do it. I would love to get this game up to where it's rightfully supposed to be. I color code my uh, deltas between years, and this is the only one that's like somewhat saturated red, and I don't like that. Kind of darkish. Yeah, I like when they're just like pastel little reds and greens. That's what I want. Joe's not very big deviation, but this one's bold, and I don't like it. So let's let's play this one so we can rock it back up. Yeah, and I would like to actually be able to objectively look at the two of them side by side and decide yeah. which one I like. Because right now I'm going to say Terra Mystica because that's yeah. the one I've been playing. 100%. And I'm like, Terra Mystica is perfect. Why do you, you don't, you, <laughs> I don't, I don't need anything else. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting. So that is my number 14 pick down 12 spots from last year. Guy project. My number 13 is down six spots from la- or seven spots from 
spot number six last year. Speaking of Canadian. Yes, speaking of very Canadian. My number 13 pick is Crokinole. It is down seven spots from last year where it was number six. Crokinole is very similar to tabletop curling, um, but instead of throwing little, not little, they're big freaking stones on ice, you're flicking these little discs onto this little board. You're playing against on another team or another person, and you have to either strike their disc with your disc or um, try to land it within the center area. Other than that, that's kind of it. I don't even think we should talk about it. I love this game. It crosses into bar game more than any other game on this list. It's debatedly like someone putting darts as a board game, but it works and the board game community loves it. And they keep on making better and better and more available boards through a bunch of different publishers. So check it out. Crokinole is a great game. And if you're in the Twin Cities and would like to try it out, shoot me a geek message and I will meet you anywhere within 45 minutes of the Twin Cities because I love this game and I love to bring it places. Yeah, my problem with my Crokinole board is it doesn't really live any place useful. Like it lives underneath the couch in my living room. And so therefore, yeah, you have to fix that. Right. It needs to be it needs to be in a place where it can come out and get played a little more easily and a little more frequently. I just bought fancy fold down mounts from uh, the Internet, and I'm pretty excited to put them up so that I can always have my Crokinole board both a displayed because it's a beautiful piece of woods woodworking and be mm-hmm. ready to deploy quickly so I can flick to my heart's content. And that would certainly, you know, going with wax rather than gliss powder and stuff like that would certainly help with that too. Cause gliss powder and hanging on the wall, not oh, super dude, compatible. I'm, I'm, I'm team anti gliss powder. You're always then playing with the gliss powder I'm team True. wax. And I don't True. know if you've actually played on my nice board that often, but my nice board is slick, my man. It is. I have not. So yeah, it's I maybe nice. need to move it downstairs and yeah, I probably have better places to play it downstairs than I do upstairs. That is most likely. Although it feels like more of an upstairs living room game. Yeah, it feels like it look in your living room quite good. It blends in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's too hard. So that is Crokinole, my number 13 game, down seven spots from last year. Really hitting our stride here. I'm going to give you a quote, and you are going to attribute it to the next game. Give me snuff Swedes and whiskey, and I'll build a railroad through hell. <laughs> Our our boy with the large house on Summit Avenue in downtown St. Paul, JJ, JJ oh, Hill, JJH. Yeah, um, my number 12 game is 1850, the Midwest, up five spots from last year. And this game was originally designed by Bill Dixon. Jake, is this the last time we're going to see Bill Dixon on this list? No, not even close. I love Bill Dixon. <laughs> Bill Dixon's my dude. Um, 1850 is a pretty normal full cap game. But instead of money in the IPO going to the bank, the IPO shares actually paying to the company. And there's a handful of soft ledges. Yep. And I really like it. A lot of it is because it's based in our territory of where we live. And seeing Minneapolis on the board makes me, ooh, it makes me feel something. I don't know why, but it really does. So your mileage may vary, but this category of 18xx game that's like you might oh, we'll talk about another one later as well. Just works really well. I don't know. It just it just makes sense to me. It 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 alleviated a lot of the issues I had with certain things. My only real complaint is the end game trains in this game aren't that good. And it kind of makes it so you really yeah. have to be rich in like early permanence. But I mean, that's fine. I like this game a lot. I have three hesitancies about it. Thing one is that I really don't freaking understand the correct way to play the ledges on whether you like buy out of them or protect price protect or understand that. So I just I, I don't understand the right way to play it. So I get scared around that and invariably play it wrong. 
thing too is tokens are really a problem in this game. I mean, it's, oh my gosh, yeah, it's really a bad token game. So when you're talking about the end game not being that interesting and good, a lot of that, I feel like there's an extra couple of tokens that maybe don't need to be there, or there needs to be more tiles or spots or I don't know. It could it could stand to be a little more open. Mm-hmm. It's awfully tight and challenging from a track laying perspective, and an area that's in the freaking Great Plain. Mm. And my third beef with it is that uh, the Chicago Northwestern Railway do not appear anywhere in this game. And that is a dang shame because I'm from southern Minnesota and the Chicago Northwestern went right through my hometown. And it's sad that there's a train game about my region and my hometown train company isn't there. Didn't the Chicago Northwestern merge? Isn't that like a merger railroad? Uh, no. Is, is it just not included? Because the old railroad yard is like over in the North Loop. That was Chicago and Northwestern. They yep. just oh, chose, yeah. oh my God, I'm going to email Bill. I'm going to email him so, I'm going to be so mad. I've uh, tried bending Scott Peterson's ear about this one too. I'm like, hey, could so you do me a favor and just put the Chicago Northwestern in a game for me, please? Please? <laughs> no. No. There is actually a Cube Rail game named Chicago and Northwestern that mm. uh, was maybe going to be in the Iron Rails series and then was determined to be extremely broken. And <laughs> that was that. So Why until it that? gets fixed, maybe sometime in the future. Why do I feel like that's a semi-regular occurrence with the Cube Rail game? World. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and then it broke and we hated it. And so now we don't play it anymore. Cool. Thanks, Cube Rails. Love you. Mina. Exactly the problem. Um, I do have one counterpoint for all of your complaints, which I don't feel are ill-founded. It's set in Minnesota. Dude, we're on a tile. We're like never on tiles. We're occasionally off boards. We're so rarely a freaking tile. Sick. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, I live right there and point to a tile. That's wild. And massive railroads in Minnesota. I mean, yeah. how, how the hell do you think we got all the grain down the river? Heck yeah, dude. We didn't float it. We're not barbarians. Well, we did. We did. We also have the Mississippi, so. We did. We <laughs> but did things 100%. had to get to the Mississippi River. 100%. We did 100%. not get them there by ox cart. Yeah, we're not We're not crazy. So anyway, that's 1850, signed by Bill Dixon. My number 12 game, up five spots from last year. My number 11 pick is the second of two new games to me this year. And it is one we've been talking about a lot. It is. Matthias Wiggy's masterpiece. He's only done one game, so I guess we don't know if it's a masterpiece because he could outmaster this one. Yeah, I mean, he certainly sold a whole bunch of them. Yeah, let's call it a masterpiece. Matthias Wiggy's masterpiece, Arc Nova. We've talked about this in like every single podcast we've done in the last. Yeah. So refer back. We like this game. Do you think it's a fair spot to put it 11, Mark, or no? Yes. I'm curious if it's still sitting here next year. Yeah, I have been hearing a fair amount of Arc Nova whiplash recently. You know, there's a right. there's a non-zero number of people that, uh, you know, bought into the hype and <laughs> now have their games for sale and or picked up a super cheap copy and or I think we're past peak Arc Nova. My I did make this list pack past peak Arc Nova. I think there's probably a case would have been like eight before. Mm-hmm. I feel like 13 ish, 12 ish, 11 ish yeah. is kind of where it should live. This is a game I really like. It's a category of game I really like. And for whatever reason, the other games in this category, just people don't play them with me. So it makes sense this one's high. Yeah. Because like I even think objectively, I think Terraforming Mars is a better game than this game. And I know there's people who don't think they're similar. I really do. And I could see in a world where I play Terraforming Mars, the frequency I'd actually like to, it being here. But as it stands now, people want to play Arknova. I want to play Arknova. I really like Arknova. Cool. This game is up here. I want terraforming Nova. Yeah, I want. I actually want terraforming Mars, but with the Arc Nova action selection engine. 
and the personal player boards be, who each have a, each have an amazing. asteroid. Oh. oh, that'd be sick. That'd be so sick. And you that can make would be an amazing game. Different living pods. It'd be, oh. and then maybe a little bit more building tag things because that's the issue. Is like you don't feel like you're building towards something here. You kind of hit the second yes. tier and you do it. And I really do like it. There needs to be deck enablers in this game. There needs to be mm-hmm. tutors, right? Using Agreed. a magic term so that if I decide to do a primate strategy that I can actually find enough primates to make that worth my trouble. Mm-hmm. Completely. Gay. So that is my number 11 pick Ark Nova in the essence of time. We'll just glaze on. Cause if you haven't heard about this game, like do you even listen to us? Like what the heck? <laughs> and I have been playing that game quite a bit this year. So another caveat there. Onto the game I have not played in like, I think ever. I don't know if I've ever actually played this game. Okay, Jake, I promise you that in this talk about this game, I am not going to sit and rant for about how ugly it is. A lot of time about how about the fun. Oh my goodness. I'm not going to rant about scriptina at all and about how every bad photographer uses that as their logo script because they think. Are you going to rant about how big the big the bits are? Or I'm not going to rant about too. the oversight of the bits. I am not going to rant about how many map mistakes there are and how unreadable up the map is. I am not, <laughs> but I am going to say it. I love this game. I agree. This is my number 10 pick. Indonesia, down two spots from last year. It was designed by Joris Wiersinga and Joran Truman. It's an amazing game. It's 18xx-like, like, not light, where you are kind of merging companies doing sell-offs, doing interesting things, and making yourself be the most profitable colonizer in the world, well, at least in Indonesia. And it's really fun. It's really cool. It's got a bunch of really interesting mechanisms, um, and it's fun to play, and I'm sad we don't play it more because it's always going to have a special place in my heart because it was the first um, splatter game I ever played, and I think it's probably my favorite. At least according to my list, it is. So, Yeah, it's... um. I haven't done I haven't completed my list yet, but um, Indonesia is definitely in my top three splatter games for sure. Yes. And that very, very easily. It's got to be in top two. Who's trumping it? There's no way bus is that high. There's no way food chain magnets that high. Maybe antiquity. Well, I only have three that I like. So, <laughs> okay, that's what I'm figuring. I fear it's a distant so my top third three bus. Makes it pretty easily. It's Correct. yeah. My, my three favorites are bus, Indonesia and antiquity. I would think this one's higher than antiquity, but yeah, I think slightly. That's Depends on how aspirational you're feeling. Cause I feel like you have this idea about antiquity that I tried getting it played Friday night. I mean, I, oh, it actually, really? it was, it, it, if we'd have had a little more time, it probably would have happened. Mm, well, lucky you. I wish I could have played that, but we will talk about your list soon, but I do yes. foresee Indonesia being the only one that's even close to the top 20. We shall see. Yeah. Indonesia is one of the few games that I owned. I sold and I bought back. Hmm. All without ever actually playing my own copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how that makes any well, sense. It actually does make sense because I'm not going to fix the map. I just don't care. You mm-hmm. might care enough to fix, fix the map. Yes, so it kind of makes sense for you to have that map, have the situation. I just don't care. So anyway, that's Indonesia. It's a great game. It's really expensive. It's hard to find, but we find it fun. Number <laughs> nine is uh, Alexander Fister's Great Western Trail down six spots from last year. I'm not going to explain the game. The only conversation I'd like to have about this is how do you feel that there's now two versions of this game that exist? Are we going to rant about board game geeks not categorizing them as the same game or not? Are they not the same game? I thought they were separate. No, I know I think separate. They are not the same game. There's two separate listings for them. Are you sure? Uh, Yes. Dead positive. Okay. Well, tell everybody what they changed in between the editions aside from giving them fun hats. (laughs) 
Okay, well, they are definitely different versions of different listings on BoardGameGeek. So uh, what's different about them? First off, I mean, the second version definitely looks a whole dang bunch Why are they different? That's so dumb. (laughs) And there's another, oh my God, and then it's re-implemented again by Argentina, which is not true. Argentina is a completely, what the heck is Argentina? Oh, you didn't know about this? Yeah, there's a there's a sequel to Great Western Trail now called Great Western Trail Argentina. Why do they do this, man? They don't have I, to like. I'm actually pretty was, excited about that. He was just chilling. I mean, I love Argentina too. Good, congrats on the World Cup victory, by the way, Argentina. All of our dozens of Argentinian listeners. <laughs> all one of them. <laughs> I don't think we've had anyone in Argentina yeah, ever listen no. to our podcast. Say hi if you are in Argentina <laughs> listening do. to us. Um, please do. Tyler and I are actually thinking to do a trip there. Side yep. note. And we're year. excited about playing a game about uh, herding cows in your fine country. Mm-hmm. So what's different about them? Back to your original question. Well, first off, the artwork is dramatically improved. Mm-hmm. We don't have a couple of really constipated looking cowboys, three old white dudes on the cover like the previous version did. Maybe it's not three old white dudes. I don't remember, but it's three old dudes. That's thing one. Thing two is they got rid of the negatives. Like you're not getting fought by Indians. You're now trading with people or something like that in that middle so they've made it they've gotten rid of those kind of negative ouch points of i think you're you're fighting bandits mm-hmm. instead of indians I yeah you can always get money from from doing trade-ins with the uh oh yeah they're bandits now yep and then the uh the third thing is they have uh introduced a type of cow that grows which we actually enjoy playing with that's re- really pretty fun that's i forget what the type of cow it is but it's one of those that you can trade it in if it's in your hand when you reach Kansas City. You can trade it in and it becomes a, a three cow, becomes a four cow, which then becomes like a five cow. So mm. aside from that, though, same game. That's dumb. Just pretty. I don't, like that, there, I don't like that there are two different versions. I don't like that mm-hmm. my game's no longer canonical. I don't like that I can't rails to the north with this version. Because I love railsing to the north. Yeah. You don't, but I do. I think it's great. I think it adds. I don't think it needs improvement. I think I have too much to explore still with the OG game to bother needing other things. Well, apparently you were the only person who didn't believe in that because there's now a second edition <laughs> and an expansion to the first edition. So clearly you're like the only person who's like vanilla first editions enough for me. No, no, I have the second edition. I know, but you you said the original vanilla version. That's the original well, first edition. Okay. You said I don't need an expansion. Vanilla second edition. I mean, non-expanded version. How about that? We can go back in the podcast. We The court recorder. Oh, I know I recorded. said that, but that's not what I meant. Fair. <laughs> Fair. That'll come out under cross-examination, my friend. So I, I guess I should have clarified. My version of this game on here is Great Western Trail. First edition, Cone Rails to the North. Yes. That's so dumb. Dude, this is so dumb. Can you imagine being like, I love Great Western Trail and somebody breaks out this. Like this, or am I just saying I love Great Western Trail and they break out freaking Argentina on you? (laughs) Like what, dude? Lionel, get out of here! It's furious. (laughs) Anywho, that is Great Western Trail, my number six game, down six spots from last year. Moving on to Alexander Fister's edgier cousin, um, at my number eight spot, we have Mombasa, down from five last year. Mombasa is a game where you are investors colonizing Africa. And trying to make it the most profitable by using a very interesting card management strategy and doing action selection. Nah, it's not action selection. It's what do they call that when you have like a whole bunch of actions you can do? Because it's not worker placement and you're not like, I don't know. I don't know what they call it, but 
it's just one of those games and it's, it's quite good. Well, there's a little bit of action programming in there as well, where you're, how you stack the cards up. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's like resource programming more than action programming. Cause you can always use those resources in different ways, but so I'm going to be the guy to come out and say in space, <laughs> that would solve this game. And I do think they're doing that because it, clearly it, they it's, heard it's that it's, it's available. Sky mines is out now, which is Mombasa in space. What is going on, dude? I took like two minutes off. How there's all these new games. There's an Argentina. There's Sky One Mines. One of these moguls is not like the other. What? One of these Sky Mines isn't following along. <laughs> what the heck, dude? What? <laughs> uh, yes, Sky Mines. It's uh, Mombasa in space. It's literally Mombasa in space. Literally Mombasa in space. Yes. Man, I used to be with it. I used to like. You're collecting precious helium three. The heart of Skyminds is a unique programming and hand management system that requires careful and clever planning and deep player interaction by letting you invest in any of the four player companies as you see fit. Well, I guess we got to we got to put this uh, put our money where our mouth is. We always said we wanted a space theme and Mombasa is probably not a very good (laughs) theme to play. If you look at the map, it looks like Mombasa, but space. It does. So, hey, here we go. Well, let's play this one and we'll be good. So. So I actually planned on buying Sky Mines. It was oh, going really? to be on my Christmas list, but your boy found a really cheap copy of Mombasa at a half price books and went, well, no, <laughs> there you've we go. Signed, you've, <laughs> soon you'll be, uh, you'll be listening to problematic podcasts. Now that you're just some Mombasa supporter, you should have done Sky Mines, man. You could have picked the better life. Me and King Leopold. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Very bad, but funny. So, uh, that's, that's Mombasa. Um, or shall I say Sky Mines? We should just, Oh, Oh, that was a it was a very fun turn of the century reference. We should just always say that we like Sky Mines now whenever we talk about Mombasa. <laughs> and then and we like went about Mombasa and we wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, no, it's what it's it's V1, it's the prototype. So anyway, that is Mombasa published by um Alexander Fister. It's a or designed by Alexander Fister. It's an excellent game. I still really like it. My number seven. Jake, I feel ahead. like it's been too long since we've talked about an 18xx game. Maybe we should talk about more. We will, just not after this game. <laughs> this is a Forza game. Oh, yes. From the uh, for uh, one of the one of the many for the collect for the games designed by XX for the XX. Yes. So it's still a XX game. It's just a for the XX game. Um, my number seven is Thomas Lehman's Race for the Galaxy. Talk about this game all the time. It's amazing. You're picking down these different phase selections and then you're doing everyone's. But if you're the person who selected the phase, you get a little spiff. It's a little better for you. And you're turning all these cards into both developments and worlds to build the best galactic empire. It is sweet. I play it on my phone so often. I am quite good. I can beat hard freaking difficulty somewhat regularly. So I'm over here flexing. Mark can see me ripping off my shirt and being strong, but it's awesome. (laughs) I would like to play this game in person more still. It still is the same issue where I like need to realize what expansions I have and what my canonical way of playing it is, but it's sweet. I love Race for the Galaxy. I'm so happy it exists. And it's a game that has a very special place in my heart. And this Race for the Galaxy is the the best role. We've decided Race is the better one than Roll. Have you looked at my list? Have you looked once? Uh, I like to be surprised. Okay. I like that you like to be surprised. That's fun. Because uh, <laughs> we might be seeing another for the later. <laughs> oh, and, and multiple for those maybe. And an 18xx for the crossover. Very fun. A very rare appearance. So <laughs> yeah, that's my number seven pick. 
Thomas Lehman's Race for the Galaxy up four from last year at lowly seven or 11, pardon me. It's a great game. Very fun. My next one is an 18XX that was foretold by Mark. 18 <laughs> Mexico, designed by not Bill Dixon, designed by Mark Derrick. Do you remember this game? So back in the like, I'm going to say good old days, but it was dark days of 18XX where we're like, you kind of only heard about on like heavy cardboard and like it was kind of this like rumored little thing before it was like commercialized and like readily available. Yes. Yeah. You'd sure. always know about 1830 and you'd hear about 1846 because those are the games that were like available and good. And there's two more that you would always hear about shoulder to shoulder that were considered 56. to be shorter and no, no, like the, oh. these were the ones that were kind of readily available. They were a little shorter. They were maybe good starter games. You, you know, the games you'd hear about 89. a lot, you'd hear about 89 and you'd hear mm-hmm. about this one. 18 Mexico. But this one was not a good starter one because they're always like, oh my gosh. Yes. The train yeah. rush in this game. How would you live? And I remember hearing about that on freaking heavy cardboard and being like, my my heavens, this is going to be the best Whoa. thing ever. Wow. <laughs> a freaking train rush. And now I'm like, I don't know if we've gotten good at the game or what, but it's like not even that hardcore of a train rush. And we no, always play the hard rusting way, you know? Like, exactly. Like we're like, ah, it's fine. We're just, we're just, We've OD'd. We're, we have a very high tolerance for train rush now. So we have way, 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 way more bankruptcies in 18 Chesapeake than we ever do in 18 Max. Agreed. And it's not like we play Max wrong, but maybe we do. No, we don't. I don't think we do. <laughs> no. 18 Max is awesome. I freaking love it. It's a great game. I think that I have a handful of complaints with it, mainly just the pricing in the privates. But other than that, I think it's a sweet game. I play it online a lot. It's in a similar category to 1882 to me, but it's a little bit longer where I seem to like 18xx games that have Chrome, but not too much Chrome and not too little Chrome where they're definitely chrome but like, I I just never going to be that guy who's going to be like, let's play 30. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be that guy. Too vanilla. Too vanilla. And I'm not going to be that guy who's like, oh, 80 is my jam. That's a little too much for me. I understand Mm -hmm. it. I understand it. I can see why people like it. But for me. Give me kind of something in the middle. And I think 18 Max and 1882 and 1850 all kind of fall into that category. Yeah, it's kind of the uh, here. I got a comparison for you. It's like the age of steam map of 18 XX. Oh, dude, totally. Totally. That's awesome. So it's, yeah. So they are kind of like, you know, 18, age of steam maps. It's fun, fundamentally. It's like age of steam, but they change one little thing around. It's like, hey, there's no purple cubes in this game. And that's literally all they change. But somehow it changes the game quite a bit. And these are what those games are to 18 xx where they right. take just one little thing and tweak it and it makes the game play out totally different than vanilla 1830 mm-hmm. do they have the baja variant for 18 max on dot games couldn't tell you pardon me baja that's it <laughs> they they have like this one off board that was like a print player at one time for this game which would be kind of fun to try. It like helps make that. Um, I don't think so, but I I don't know. I've never heard of it. Um, it. Like there's like a train thing. There's like a ferry you can do kind of by the tip of Baja. It's kind of neat. I'd like to try it sometime. But anyway, that is 18 mechs by Mark Derrick. Number six this year. It was number four last year, down two spots. Now on to the second installment of the four, the four, the roll for the galaxy is my number five game up two spots from last year. And this is designed by Hui Hua Huang and Tom Lehman. I'm so sorry. I should get better at pronouncing that guy's name. I say it quite a bit. It's got to be pretty close. I don't know. I feel like it. I feel like I'm making too much wind with my, with my mouth. 
You, Jake, are at peak role for the galaxy. You have the definitive role for the galaxy set. I, I have definitized it. That is correct. Thank you for knowing. I have the big boy expansion. I have all the other expansions. And I have a custom freaking insert that holds it all in one freaking box, dude. I have ascended. <laughs> I have, I have, I am transcendental. <laughs> I am beyond, you know what I mean? Like I don't play around with human issues anymore. I'm too busy rolling for galaxies, dog. You're a dice with all the faces. Correct. This is a dice version of race for the galaxy, which was a card version of San. No, it's a bigger version of San Juan. Well, yeah, San Juan, which was a card version of Puerto Rico, I think. But you're doing very similar things. I'm not going to explain it. We've talked about it a thousand times in this game, but I love it. I love that I have the big boy expansion to it. It's been kicking around in the box quite a bit, to be honest. Have you seen it? Been bringing it. Well, and I know we played the big boy expansion couple times right when you first got Mm -hmm. it and uh hasn't been seen since i will pull it out for you you don't gotta worry about it i'll bring out that that (laughs) big the big galaxy for you because it's it's version, and it's fun because we get to actually like fully explore again in this space you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's kind of fun to like be like safe and understand the rules but like be like oh i'm gonna play around with some new mechanisms and have some fun little spiffs and this game plays so quickly I don't feel bad about like just exploring in a game that plays and is over so quickly, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a good space to explore. We tried that module and eh, maybe we'll try a different module. Right. Yeah. Right. Or vice versa. We tried this. Let's try all the modules. What? I don't think you can do that. Well, we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> um, so that's roll for the galaxy by Hui Hua Huang and Thomas Lehman. Love it. Number five. I think it'll always be a top 10 game for me have such warm thoughts about board gaming in this game and specifically. So Jake, before we go on to uh, your number four choice, you're a bit on the millennial side, right? I am actually not very millennial because the millennials stop in 95 and I was born in 93. So I'm like kind of towards the tail end. Okay. So I'm going to lay a name on you and uh, I fully expect you're not going to know who the hell this is, but I'm going to do it anyway. George Thorogood. I know the name. I don't know who he is. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for, thank you for uh, <laughs> proving my point. Uh, George Thorogood is a guy that wrote a song called Bad to the Bone. He also wrote a song called One Bourbon, One Scotch, and One Beer. He wrote Ooh. a song called I Drink Alone. And Dude, when, if you see him live in concert, uh, he'll play about those songs all back to back. And then afterwards, he'll say, hey, I got an idea. How about we play a drinking song? Because the joke is that all of his songs are drinking songs. <laughs> so I got an idea. How about we talk about a game by Thomas Lehman? That's, yeah, let's talk about, uh, that's all the games <laughs> I want to talk about. That's pretty much it. I do find it funny, random side note. There was like less cultural acceptance of drinking, I feel like, in like when you were like my age than there is now. Is that a fair assessment or no? Less cultural of acceptance. So when my I main was cultural oh, totally point, not true. <laughs> oh, I disagree. And like main media, like if you watch like, so when were you 29? In like 2000? <sighs> no, I was 29 in uh, 2000 and. Oh, and and? Oh, wait. Let me think about this. Oh, no. When were you born? <laughs> no, it did start in 99. Uh, I would. <sighs> Let's see. I can't you got do this, buddy. Anymore. You can do it. You can I know. Really do it. 90, uh, 1998. So 1998. That was like kind of when fr- um, Seinfeld was over and Friends started taking over. Right. It's like big, big TVs. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Is that sure. correct? They yeah. didn't drink in those shows. Was that a big was that a big network thing? Because then like after that, pretty much all of How I Met Your Mother, they're in a bar, right? That was also like five years after Friends. Or not after Friends, after um Cheers. Oh, I guess. Cheers ended about that time. And the other thing too, so you're talking to a guy that was in that played in bar bands throughout oh, the I'm, entire nineties. Yeah, you. I meant society. And, well, no, I like right now, it's really difficult to get a gig as a bar band. Like if a good night as a bar band means you have like 12 people there watching you. Oh yeah. Whereas you could like be just a complete crap band playing at a VFW and you'd have 300 people there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. We got TikTok now, dude. Sick. A lot of that is that there's a lot less societal tolerance for drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. I say that jokingly, but it's somewhat true. And, and they were cracking down pretty heavily then. Like, you know, I played with a couple older guys in the band that were like 20 years older than me. And they were talking about, they're like, oh man, you have no idea what it was like to play in the band in the seventies when nobody cared about drinking and driving. It was so wild. Right. Am no, in no way endorsing drinking and driving because I'm not, it's a terrible thing. Don't do it. But makes sense. It it definitely has changed what going to the bar is like, you know, I mean, yes, there's Ubers now, but in a small town, that's not a thing. So I think there was just a lot more. You know, people get people stay out a little later, have a few more drinks, things get a little wilder, and eh, the cop would just sort of point you at your house in a way. Mm. Interesting. That makes sense. But yeah, random side note on your random side note about drinking songs, because I was thinking about that recently. I'm like, I feel like every song now is about drinking. We're not drinking, but has like drinking in it. But hmm. I don't know. I was in Nashville and listening to a lot of country and (laughs) maybe I was hearing a lot of drinking songs down there again. But anywho, back to board games, which is now cowboy emo. Correct. My, uh, which is what I like. My, my number four pick for this year is the last installment of the for the category, but also an 18 XX crossover. It is 1846. The race for the Midwest designed by Thomas Lehman. It is up six spots from last year and I think it deserves it. I think it's probably my number two favorite 18 XX game. However, I found myself reaching for it less. Hmm. So was that a maybe a derogatory mark on it being my number two 18xx game? Because we were presented with a circumstance at the board game convention the other day. And instead of reaching for 1846, what did I reach for, Mr. Mark Teske? I know. Chesapeake, which isn't oh. even on my top 20. Okay. That wasn't it's the a, other day, my man. <laughs> it was okay. like two month, months month ago. ago. <laughs> at, at, the con, at the con. At okay. the con. I was like, what convention were we at the other day? I was like, Pardon I was sitting there going. board game convention. Man. What? The con at the cabin, the cabin okay. weekend. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's just, I, I like this game, but it's a little weird. And I just didn't want to be the rules lawyer for the entire time. And so I figured we should just play an 1830 derivative. They all kind of knew. So <laughs> that caveat being said, I still play 1846 online. Toto's Los Tampos. And I freaking love it. It's a great game. At the risk of giving away a little bit of the remainder of your list, if you were to ask me and say, you know Jake really well, what's his favorite 18xx? If I hadn't seen your list, I would I would 100% say 1846. I mean, that is the mm. game I most strongly associate with you. That's funny, because I've been pretty firm about a high-ranked 18xx game for quite a few years now. I know. And I know that, but like I said, I never see you play that game, but Agreed. I see you play 18 X. I, I see you play 1846 all the time. So I have some complaints with 1846. I still really want to try out the 1833 NE. That's a little bit like variation ish of similar to this, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't know. I just got a little bit of, I, I haven't played it out, but I like kind of know what I'm doing 
in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. sometimes that gets in my own way. I'm in that kind of valley of understanding where like you kind of get bad for a while again because you've played something for too long, you know, right, where you're like right. overthinking everything you're doing. And I just need to just get to a place of ease and frictionless. 18 Dunning-Kruger. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> so that is my number four, 1846 by Thomas Lehman. And before that was the random side note drinking conversation we had about drunk driving. This podcast is off the rails and I love it. It's a good cast, <laughs> Mark. It's a good cast. <laughs> my number three, what are your thoughts on this? This is probably the biggest red flag of this top 20. Well, it looks more like a green flag, actually, if I'm looking at your mm-hmm. color coding system. Correct. Thank you. All right, let's not bury the lead. What game are we talking about? So everybody's not going, just get to it, man. Number three is Uwe Rosenberg's Cavern of the Cave Farmers. It's my number three game ever of all so, games. You, you know me, I'm Tribuba. And just seeing you have an Uwe Rosenberg game in your top three, man, I don't even care which one it is. I'm just happy really? to see the Uwe Rosenberg games in your top yeah. three. Yeah, I. so should this game be relatively high on my top list? Yes. Is it absolutely impacted because we played this at a, at, at a board game weekend the other day, pardon me, like two months ago. And then we played it on a Wednesday, relatively short order after. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this one's great. And I know I said I didn't make games categories. I almost wondered in my mind if this game became the category of good midway euro with farming theme and growth in it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And it became like the Banner Lord and it rose to the top out of all the other ones. They weren't fighting for each other. He just picked one of them and became their champion. And I think that's happening here because it jumped 18 spots, which is like debatedly unacceptable to jump this high. But I was just gassed on this game, dude. I'm just loving it. It's really good. Yeah. And like we talk about this all the time and how do you prepare your top 20, right? Are are you looking at it academically? You know, is it from the head or the heart that you're picking these things? Oh, and this is a heart pick. A hundred percent. You can head justify it on the back end, but this is a heart. Yeah, for sure. Who can impeach that? Well, you can just look at it and say, okay, maybe there's other games that are better games academically, but this is the one I love. Mm -hmm. And then I got a little stoked on it too, because there's a new expansion, not new, it came out like four years ago. There's an expansion of this game that we haven't played. And I'm like kind of excited about trying that. And so like, I'm kind of looking down the barrel of being like, oh, there's an exploratory play. Could be pretty fun. It was fun playing this on a Wednesday and having it both flow and be high level play. And it was good. And you're still our reigning winner. All right. So here's my thoughts on expansions. If they fix a perceived weakness, Mm -hmm. then it's something that's good and necessary. If it just adds more to a game that doesn't need more, then I can personally live without it. You've got a game that's number three overall that has a perceived weakness. Oh, 100%. My number one (laughs) game has perceived weakness. These are not very good games. I just love them. Cause, cause so, so for example, Caverna, the cave farmers has a perceived weakness. We talk about it a lot with the overhang. There's a handful of races that are the overhang tile. So then sure. we don't have to have the gentlemen's and it changes. What's our issue in this game. Fricking Kirk just did what I did right before me better than I did. You kind of start slightly adjusted. Therefore you're not all going to be focused on doing the same stuff. You have different incentives, so therefore the board should develop a little bit more interestingly. And I think it could be fun. I think it could be fun. Sure. Don't get me wrong. I'll certainly give it a try. I mean... And, and, and maybe that's not fixing an issue. It's more like addressing meta. Sure. Kind of, you know? 
the Norwegians is my canonical way to play a feast for Odin. So, right, hundred you know, yeah, percent. For the same you're, reason, you're, you're and trade and intrigue is my canonical way of playing Orleans because those are both games that needed fixing in their meta or had a weak, mm-hmm. a flat spot or two in the game. And and I really like theme asynchronicity. And I don't know if asynchronicity is that the right term where you're all slightly different. Like, what's root? That's not asynchronous. Sorry, I've been playing too much eighteen no. x uh, asymmetric. Asymmetric. And I think Caverna would be fun to be a little bit asymmetric. I think it yep. might offset yeah, it, but it that. might be diff enough where it's like, I so rarely, with expansions, I generally just include them if I've deemed them worthy. I feel like the Forgotten Folk is just going to be this like different game we play based on Caverna. It's like not going to be Caverna. I mean, as long as they're well-balanced, right? I mean, how many games do we play where we've looked at, you know, Architects of the West Kingdom, right. um, Barrage, Root. Uh, shoot, even Root, where you look at yeah. and just all these tribes are not created equal. Right. Right. I think they will be, but I think we should at least try. It's such a good game. We like it. We got to trust our Lord and Savior, Uve. Pardon me, your Lord and Savior, Uve. Mine's clearly Tom. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun to try and explore. So we need uh, Thomas Lehman to partner up with Uva Rosenberg and make a stock investing farming game oh, in space. No, that'd be perfect. Oh my God, that'd be perfect. You invest in companies that are setting up farms on a moon of Jupiter. Europa, one could say. Sign me up. <laughs> Done. Done. So that is my number three game, Caverna, the Cape Farmers by Uwe Rosenberg. Up 18 spots from last year from a measly 21. A little bit of a red flag there. We had a slight adjustment last year. My number one spot got kicked down to number two. Might as well uh. sell it. Wah, wah. I don't think I'll ever play this game again. I think it's over <laughs> for me. Well, if you if you ever do, actually stop and reteach me the game first. <laughs> That's funny. Is Martin Wallace slash John Boers, who knows who does it, designed it, Age of Steam. We talk about this game a lot. I have played this game a few times this past year. It's just a great game for me. It's a little hard. It doesn't make you feel nice. But it has a lot of exploration with it with all these different maps, but it has the same rule set throughout 90% of it. So you can get a lot of exploration, a lot of different exp- different game plays out of the same game. And I just am absolutely miffed with it. I think it's a beautiful production. I'm so thankful it exists. I really want to get those transparent things from Japan, the transparent tiles, just so I can see the whole beautiful map. Yeah, just gorgeous. Ah. Uh. I think it's great. I mean, I am frustrated. It's too strong of a word. I'm confused on why we don't play it more. And I would like to play more. I think you actually just stumbled across it. What? It's something that I hadn't really thought about till you just said it. I think it's the feel bad aspect of it. Oh, yeah. It's it's big feel bad. Because I love the game. I really do. I think it's brilliant. But there's a lot of nights I just don't feel like feel bad. And I there's a better than average chance I'm going to feel bad by playing it. And I'm like, well, I could play this game where there's a good chance I'll feel bad or I could play this other game. Maybe that's why Nick and I like it. Nick and I just live in feel bad land and you like actually have like self-esteem and <laughs> Nick and I just are like, oh, this is that's how we always feel, you know, like this is not even a derivation from <laughs> base level. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I normally feel great. That's why Mark and I, or Nick and I I'm, just freaking love it. I'm always awesome. And I don't want to feel not awesome because I always feel awesome. See, that's weird. I just, and I just, Age of Steam reminds me that I'm not always awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, that's clearly a, a fair point, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think if you played it enough, the feel bad would go away. But it is a critical learning aspect to get that, you know, X, Y, Z number of plays. So it's solidified, you know. So I still would love to explore. I don't think I could go to Age of Steam Con, though, even though it's this number two game, just because I think I would even kind of get too much feel bad out of it. But Oh, God. Ooh, yeah. I love it. I think a split Age of Steam and then 18XX Con would be pretty close to an ideal thing for me. When you play an Age of Steam sure. in the morning and then 18XX in the afternoon, that'd be pretty good. So that is my number two game, Age of Steam. Um, Mark's selling his copy, so if you would like to buy his anytime, just shoot the <laughs> DM. He'd love it. No, I'm not, but on the flip side, I don't know when I'm ever going to play it without you. Or Nick. Or Nick, yeah. So, eh. It looks so good with the other Eagle Griffin games, though. No, it's not. It's the wrong freaking size. Oh, is it? <laughs> it's not the same size as the other Eagle Griffin. It's the same size. No, no. Don't get me started. It's literally God. a different size. Oh, my gosh. I yes. just, I found a vein. Yes. I'm picking out a vein. I just, yes. just stab. It is You're a different furious. size than all of the other Eagle, Eagle oh, Griffin games. Oh, that's so funny. No. Good job, Eagle Griffin. We love you. You're doing great. You, I actually do love Eagle Griffin games, but could you have maybe made that the same size box as your other ones? That's maybe. So funny. So funny. I thought that was only a me thing. And now I found one that I didn't even know about out of the blue about a game that you're already kind of frustrated with. Hell yeah. I feel like Rococo is the wrong size too. This is an elite pod. This is, this is working out to be a very elite pod tonight, Mark. (laughs) This is elite. I'm uncovering little things about you. We had a random side note about, about drinking. Oh, this is great. You're going to have some fun <laughs> things to explain to your kids in the car when they're listening to this. I can't wait. <laughs> I guess this kind of feels without fanfare, but we're already at number one. What should we do? I do not have a cheesy sound effect chambered up here, so we're going to have to live without that one for sure. All right. It is an 18xx game. I think that's a fair rule. It is an 18xx game. I will preface this by saying if I hadn't been doing this for multiple years with you and know this was going to be high on the list, I would never in a million years pick this to be your favorite number one of all. Well, this is one of the few games. And now since Scott's departure, I don't know how I could play this game in person. I have no ability to play this game in person. Hmm. You don't own it. I don't own it. Scott's not on dot games. You got to play this on Mm -hmm. like board 18, right? Mm -hmm. But man, oh man, is it good. And the game we're, we're mentioning is Bill Dixon's Magnum Opus. 1832, the South will rise again. I think it's the added thing that they didn't put down on it. The South, the South will rise again. <laughs> That'd actually be really funny. But no, it's just the South. It is very similar to 1850, but it has systems where you merge two 10 share companies together. And boy, oh boy, our systems and shells, an absolutely magical little, little lifestyle. It's got a handful of companies that are a little weird in it. It's got this Florida one that's got this special run. It's got some interesting mines in it. It has interesting starting points. It has some fun little loops you can run. And I am miffed with this game. This is a game that I played with a handful of people near constantly that was not you for whatever reason and just played it the dickens out of it. And I think it's just such a superb design. I'm so sad that it doesn't exist yet. I think think rails on boards has the rights to it Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping that they'll print it soon because i freaking love this game and i would kill to play it in person and just really dive in more because it is so dang cool because i played this game a bunch and i've never actually played in person that explains why i never really hear you talk about it or come up because Mm -hmm. it's not a thing 
Didn't you order a copy of this like forever ago and you're still waiting on it? Or did I just imagine that? I did, but I pulled myself out of the queue. Okay. Once I saw that they uh, were planning on printing in a real one because sure. I figured I've waited this time. I shouldn't say a real one. That's rude to all the print and play folks out there. I pulled my name out because I personally prefer the mass produced copies and I would like to support that venture. And so I saw that coming and I said, hey, I'm going to do that instead. So it's really cool. I would like to see if we could try to do systems on 1850. I don't know if it's a thing, but I feel like hmm. very out of left pocket for me to imagine this, but it's just, it's so good, dude. Systems are so neat and 1828 is cool, but I don't feel like I'm smart enough for it. And like 1832 is very similar to 1850 where it's not that weird, but it's just weird enough that perfect level of Chrome to just really entice me and having systems is awesome. So 1832 is certified fresh, certified dope. Very fun. Awesome choice. I have actually played this one with you. It's been a minute, but I have played this with you a couple times in the past. Yeah. I mean, there was a while, like during peak pandemic, I was just, I had nothing but 1832. This is all I had. When I closed my eyes at night, I would think of the South. When I woke up, I would think about Bill Dixon and it was perfect. Awesome. So great top 20, Jake. Really solid choices. All games that I would associate very strongly with you. Games that I see regularly in your game bag. Mm -hmm. What was close but no cigar? I mean, there's a few of them that just barely make the list. Mm -hmm. And in a different year, if you'd have played, maybe if there's, a, you know, if you'd have played them a couple of times, maybe they just snuck their way in. Yeah. What's almost the bride? The bridesmaid, never the bride. It's the really good fillers for whatever reason. Nerds, Modern Art, Metro X, Arboretum, and Azul are all 23 through 28. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. And then the one in there that's not like the others is New England and Chesapeake, which are both good 18xx games, but games I feel like I've probably given a proper shake. So maybe I'm not mm -hmm. super jazzed about them. And they're a little more streamlined than I generally prefer my games to be. Sure. Um, so it makes sense that those are there. And then I had one heart pick, which was Blood Bowl Team Manager. Was not on this list for before, but it's one of the oldest games in my collection. One of the few games I own two copies of. And for whatever reason, it just shot to the top of the list or relatively high on the list where I was just kind of jazzed about playing it. Have you actually played this game? Long time ago. Dude, we played. should get you to play it again. It's, it's been pretty fun. Yeah, I liked it. Um, it's been several years since I played it with you. And and I played it a few. I've played it a few times. It's so different than games we usually play. Like we never play like heads up card games. Right. It's oh, yeah. And, no, that's and it's, true. It, it, it is a good version of that. I think objectively in its category, it's relatively good. Um, I think there was a handful of other like fantasy flight games that have taken the format. I think there was one 40 K one at the time. It's different. We don't play this style of game that often. I thought it'd be fun to bring it as like kind of derivation for a while for a filler game kind of length. Thinky filler mm -hmm. 45 minute or so. I would bet that I have ranked this on board game geek and I am going to predict that I rank this a seven. That'd be my guess as well for you. Um, Blood you might have been an eight. seven. Look at that. Oh, look at you. I gave it a seven. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I have a lot of games I like a lot in that seven category. So they're really good. Good, good company. Absolutely. And then there was a handful of big fallers kind of towards the thirties. Clans of Caledonia fell a good amount. Imperial Settlers fell a good amount. Terraforming Mars fell a decent amount. Santa Monica fell a decent amount. Bus and Chicago Express. Games that you kind of associate with me, but for whatever mm -hmm. reason this year, they just kind of fell a lot. But for the most part, 
within my top 20. It's mostly lighter pastels. You know, I have a handful that adjusted in between four and negative three, a couple that did higher than that, and then two, one that went up 18 and one went down 12. So, and one that went up 12 as well. So not a lot of adjustment, relatively reasonable, but um, it was interesting seeing it pan out because there's a handful of them that were lightning rods to games I've played a lot and they certainly got pushed up and there's been a handful that kind of just stayed relatively on the same plane and didn't really move that much. So, so your biggest fallers in the top, in your top 66, Lorenzo Il Magnifico down 30. Dude, that game, I don't know. I'm kind of over it. I actually have my copy so, for sale. Isn't that Dragon wild? Castle minus 28, mm-hmm. 1830 minus 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some, those are some strong fallers right there. Whereas your biggest, your biggest gainers, you know, kind of working backwards on that one looks like, uh, Caverna, L- Caverna, well, Caverna. Castles of Burgundy and Lahav. Yep. And well, those are great Gentis. games. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Um, I added more. So generally I don't have filler games in here. But for whatever sure. reason, I kept them this year. So like Metro X, like nine or 10 out of 10 game for me is usually not on my list. So it was not ranked Same sure. with modern art. Same with Blood Bowl team manager. So, yeah, I think in the most cases for me, with one exception, my best filler games are going to probably clock in in the, you know, 30 to 20 spot. Yeah, that's that's I think where they live. You, you know, know there's, and- there's a couple of exceptions to that, which there's we'll maybe about, sure, I just but- should have included them, you know, just to. Yeah keep it i think it would have kept all of the things below that a little lower a little less red but um because there's just so much new things added by including teach for example and nine tiles sure and stuff like that um here's the funniest intro- introduction grand T- trunk journey is my number 39 favorite game i saw that I, that made me happy isn't that funny <laughs> i saw that i'm like Geez, you said you <laughs> liked that game but i, I, I like, really liked it i really like, thought it was really a good game like that game <laughs> i really do put my put my mind where my money is or my mouth where my money is so anyway well i'm actually happy to see that most of the games i have introduced you to in the last year actually are on that list so yeah, yeah. there you did pretty good you did a very good job um it's just the question of who introduced me to res arcana or not res arcana to uh arc nova is that you or is that kirk who oh it was me it was oh, is it because you? I introduced or Kirk. Is it Brent? Is it Brent Schleicher? Because he taught me how to play. Where to be without Brent? I introduced everybody to this. Okay. You brought it to the group. I brought it to, yes. I brought Let it, to it be group. known. Mark Teske, without Mark Teske, we would have discovered the, the highest rated game on Board I, Game Geek. In I did not ever. own the first copy of it, but I was the one that told Kirk about it and he had never heard of it. Gotcha. Well, you, you have that flag in the ground. Well, I'm excited. So, I think it was a good ah. year. I think next year will be more of the same. I think just the flagged games that we kind of mentioned are either going to go up or go down. But I think I'm going to do next year is I'm just going to like copy and paste this list into the sorting engine instead of doing every year and and like adding and removing games. I'll just see if there's any like deltas in between them, if there's any like eight or above that are relatively new. So anywho, there it is. Mine will be the next episode. If you disagree with Jake, I guarantee mine is going to be Lots different because I'm going in with some different rules. I can't, I cannot mentally compare 18xx and good for you. I'm, I'm happy just, you dropped out. I'm happy you did. I can't do it. I They're did just, that the first year and it, it was a, it was a liberation, my man. I miss it. Yeah. They just, they occupy different mental spots for me. I love them both, but I, I can't compare the two. So, you know, my list is going to play out a little differently and 
I am very much drawn towards the, the the shiny new thing, and I kind of avoided shiny new things in those last year. So there's mm-hmm. going to be a bunch of things that were extra shiny last year that will drop out. So I think we're gonna I think we're gonna be the closest to the real list. Mm-hmm. I think that was my prediction. I think that was my prediction. Yeah, I think I said there was a handful of lightning rods there that I think are going to fall next year. I'll be interested to see. I don't believe you know the new games I played this year. I don't know that any of them are going to crack the top 25, even though I like them all, right? I like right. Res Arcana a lot. I like Dark Nova. I like Beyond the Sun. I like... Your roster's filling up. Do they crack into the realms of your brass Birmingham's and so forth? They do not. Lahav, no way. Nope. No way. Nope. She's your main squeeze. So... Glory to Rome? Yeah, no way. So, anyway. Well, this was fun. I was happy we did it in absolute banger of a pod coming in with some hot takes out here i'm excited for you to explain the differences of uh, decades of inebriated driving very excited this is gonna be very fun we're gonna we'll get come a up with another super con <laughs> super is mark okay should we check out mark it's gonna be awesome can't wait uh, we'll have to come up with whatever our super controversial topic is to talk about next time on that note we have been the gaming moguls i'm mark and i'm jake good night everybody this has been the gaming moguls podcast co-hosted by Mark Teske and Jake Klopfenstein. Please find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Feel free to join our Board Game Geek Guild, guild number 3431. Find us on Instagram and Twitter, at GamingMoguls. Or reach us via email, jake at GamingMoguls.com or mark at GamingMoguls.com. If you like the Gaming Moguls podcast, please tell a friend. Thanks for listening.